Welcome everyone. It's lovely to see you all uh, here at church this morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Pete, and I also get the privilege of teaching some of your kids in children's church. So we're going through the book of Nehemiah. A lot of our children are Afrikaans. Did this Nehemiah? Moi, Netua. So we try and teach them Ni, He, My, Ah. And so today we're going to go through the book of Ni, He, My, Ah. Are you all ready to go through the book of Nehemiah together in chapter 3? Okay. Now, if you have your Bible, find it. It's in the Old Testament. I love how when we prep these sermon series, often you, you have a text that you, you're going to go through and you think, Lord, there's, you're going to take me through some stuff because when I get there, I know that you're going to have me teaching me. And so this morning, I want to say to you that Nehemiah 3 is something I've been grappling with for the past few weeks, and I'm really excited to share with you out of that. And it's a book about restoration. It's a book about rebuilding. It's a book about God taking that which is broken and making it whole again. The scripture is, let us rise up and build so that they strengthen their hand for the, for the good work. God chose the word, let us. He didn't say, let me. He didn't say, let Nehemiah. He said, let us rebuild. And this morning, it is a corporate call for all of us, every single one of us, to rebuild the wall. In 1 Corinthians 3, it says the following. It says, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one of us take care how they build upon it. This morning, we are building, not on our own, not just with those around us, but with God Almighty. So as we start this morning, let's open up in a word of prayer, and let's trust God that we can build with Him. Is that cool? Lord God, I thank you this morning, Lord, as we open this up, I thank you, Father God, that we can trust you to be the great restorer, the great rebuilder, and the master builder of our lives, Father God, of our families, and of our community, Lord God. I pray this morning, Lord God, that we would mix our faith with action, and Father God, that we'd leave here knowing, Lord God, that we can live out your call for our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So this morning I get to talk to you about families that build together. Now, my name is Pete. I'm son of John and Rona. I am a passionate 15-year-old strapped in a 38-year-old's body. I'm married to a very brave, kind, and courageous woman. She's a superwoman, as you can see there. Her name is Kate. I have a beautiful princess called Hannah Joy Miller, which means gracious, compassionate speaker of truth. She definitely speaks the truth. We're working on the other two at the moment. <laughs> and I have two little ninjas, my two little warriors, James and Benjamin. But we're training them up to be young men and warriors for Jesus in this day and age. That's my gang. On your piece of paper, in your notes, I want you to start today and write, who's in my team? Who's in your team? Put some names down that who's in your team. It might be your physical family. It might be a spiritual family, but God is telling you right now who's in your team. And start to think about some of the attributes that God has put in each of that, those team members. And you'll start to see the goodness of God and how he's made amazing people to come alongside you. So who's in your team? Let's recap where we're at in Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Listen to me. 
Nehemiah 3. Up until this point, we've met the young man called Nehemiah. And it's a, it's a journey where he came and his brother came up to him and he said, listen, Nehemiah, the walls of the city, they're in ruins. Our city is in ruins. And Nehemiah was so burdened for it that he was, he was distraught. And he started to pray and to trust God. And he was like, God, this burden for the city, I know it's for me. I know it's for me. And he started to pray and he started to think and he started to strategize. And then the king asks him, he said, why, why do you look so down? This is cupbearer, the guy who's supposed to keep him happy, feed him good wine. He's supposed to be that guy. And he says, why are you down? He says, my city's in ruins. And the burden that God had placed on Nehemiah's heart, Nehemiah was eloquent enough to speak about it. He thought about it. He prayed about it. He started to speak. And God started to make a way. Not only did the king say, cool, off you go, go fix the walls. He said, I'm going to send you with an army and some supplies and my favor and my blessing. And so we see Nehemiah, he, he, he gets a burden from God. And so his burden was, what is the thing that is moving God's heart? What is his compassion? What is that thing that moves you? Over the last two weeks, I don't know about you, but I've been noticing more and more burdens in our environment. I've been noticing a lot more broken walls that there are in our community. And I'm being like, God, let your compassion move me. May I not be overwhelmed by the rubble that I see in the lives around me. May I be moved by your compassion. And so secondly, Pierre then inspired us, said, what is the vision that you have? Harvey, what is your vision? Not what is the vision, what is yours? Because your vision will be what God gives you to do. And he said, what is in your heart? Because he said, a burden without a vision will paralyze us, but a burden with a vision will mobilize us. And once we have the burden, the vision, we have God's provision. And God comes through. And so often, I don't know about the other men in the room, but we think straight away to the bank balance. But so often God works in ways that are way bigger than that. That his provision comes in all sorts of shapes and sizes and relationships. And suddenly we see God come through for us over and over and over again. And finally, then Pierre said that his response was the following. He said, Lord, I've got this burden. I've got this vision. I know you've provided. I know you've given me favor with the king. Let me respond. And the response was this. Let us rise up and build. Not let me leave. Let us rise up and build. And so then Ricky built on that and he started speaking about prayer. And Pierre and Pete followed Ricky's prayer and lots of peas. Pierre, you weren't here last week, but Ricky said he knew the person he prayed to, the problem he was dealing with, the promise on which he stood, the past to which he could appeal, the perspective of the situation, the people he fellowshiped with, the providence of the God who had positioned him. Am I right, Ricky? Okay, good, I was writing quickly. But what I love about prayer is that Nehemiah actually spent so much time praying that when he was put into the place of action, he knew that God had filled him up. And in his prayer time, he'd gone from serving in the palace with the king to serving with the people. Through prayer, he'd gone from a private place of being to a public place of doing. And I think so often we miss that step. We see the burden, we see those walls around us, and we just jump into action. We haven't stopped to say, God, what do you want me to do here? God, what is your heartbeat? God, where are you calling me and my family to? So, with that as a bit of a background, let's jump to Nehemiah 3. And Nehemiah... If, uh, if you like me and you like leadership books and strategy books, Nehemiah would have been a really good guy to write the seven habits of highly effective Nehemiahs. 
or how to build a business like Liam Nehemiah, or Building Blocks for a Great Family by Nehemiah. I mean, he was, he was an amazing guy. He, had, he was organized. He was hardworking. He was very motivational. He cursed his enemies. He made walls. He, uh, he had amazing organizational skills. I'm learning that. He had lots of other bits and pieces. He was quick, and he was decisive. And so we can be so caught up that we think, well, I'm going to get a nice bunch of leadership lessons today. But I want to say to you, this book is a twofold book. This book that we read is a human story. It tells a human story about a man called Nehemiah or Nehemiah, a man called David, a man called Paul, a man called Jesus. It's a story, and it tells us a human story. But even more than that, it's, it's a book that was breathed by God, and it tells us about an eternal consequence and an eternal story that we're part of. And so when we read the book of Nehemiah, yes, we can pick out the principles of his leadership or the way that he did things and be in all of them, but more of that we need to know is that God breathed this word. And when God breathes it, he sustains it and he fulfills it. And so Nehemiah points us to an even bigger story. It points us to a story about a man who left a great palace, the biggest palace in heaven, who was seated at the right hand of his father, and he said, I see a broken wall. I'm going to go and restore that broken wall. I'm going to go hang out with us. I'm going to leave heaven because I'm burdened, and I have a vision that one day these people, you people, will be in relationship with me here, with my father. And so you know what? I'm going to go from being at the right hand of the Father, I'm going to step down to earth, and I'm going to be with you. And that's for us today, is that the master builder is coming out of heaven to be with us, to rebuild the walls of our lives. And so the larger story is talked about in Isaiah 26, verse 1. And if you have a highlighter or lipstick, highlight this in your Bible, because it's important. It says in Isaiah 26, verse 1, it says, came to build up the walls of salvation. Our city is strong. We are surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. This morning, we're not building up the walls of Jerusalem anymore. Many of you will say thank you. Those were very big rocks that they had to move. We're building something with far more consequence. We're building up a great city of heaven, a people of heaven. And Isaiah tells us what the walls are. It says, the walls are the walls of salvation. In the olden times, we built city walls to protect us from things coming in. The walls of salvation are to invite people in. Our walls are walls of invitation to say, come, come and know this great Jesus. Come and be part of the great people of God. Come and be part of a holy story. In Philippians 3, it says, we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus lives and we eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior. So Nehemiah chapter three is an interesting bit um, in Nehemiah because Nehemiah one and two tells us about how the story is gonna happen. And Nehemiah four tells us what happens. And Nehemiah three is the bit in the middle where most people skip right over it because there's a lot of very big names, okay? So we're gonna try and go through them today. And before we get into them building the re rebuilding the walls, I want to take one quick pause at the end of Nehemiah 2. 
Because Nehemiah had the vision. He went to the king. He got, he got the blessing. He went to Jerusalem. He observed the city. He took a step back. He looked at all of the destruction and planned what he needed to do. And as he was about to rebuild, it says in Nehemiah 2 verse 18, it said, yes, let us rebuild the wall. People were amped. Let's do it. We're in. And they started to, to do the good work. And then it said, but straight away, Sanblat, Tobiah, and Jeshim the Arab heard of our plan. They scoffed. What are you doing? Are you going against the king? And Nehemiah replied, the God of heaven will help us to succeed. We, his servants, will start rebuilding the wall. This morning, before we get into the building process, some of you have seen a vision, you felt God's burden, and you said, I'm going to build. And straight away, someone said, you can't do that. You can't do it. God didn't really tell you. I'm sure you just go double check with Pierre. And actually, Nehemiah was wise enough to say, no, no, no. God has called me on this mission. I'll rebuild the wall. I will rebuild the wall. And so this morning, let's look at this from the eyes of, God, you've called us to this. Let's do it. So if you have that highlight that you still had, we're going to read Nehemiah 3. And I want you to highlight the following three bits. Wherever you see a relationship, highlight it. Where it says something like son of or daughter of, highlight that. Wherever you see something of a position where someone is called the priest or the leader, highlight that. And the third thing is, wherever you see a point of action, highlight that. If you had three colors, that would be good. I know on the apps you have three colors, so go for it. But I want you to start looking at it. Now, most people have never read this whole chapter, so bear with me. I'm, I have a very good aim, so if you fall asleep, I'm throwing the mic at you. Okay. <laughs> Are you ready? And I apologize to any scholars who I uh, incorrectly pronounce the name. All right, so, then Elishab the high priest rose up with his brothers the priests, and they built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and set its doors. They consecrated as far as the Tower of the Hundred, as far as the Tower of Hananel, and next to them the men of Jericho built, and next to them Zachar the son of Imri built. The sons of Hassanah built the fish gate. They laid its beams, and they set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And next to them Merimoth, the son of Uriah, son of Hakaz, repaired. And next to them Mishalim, the son of Berechiah, the son of Meshashib, Repaired. And next to them, Zadok, the son of Benai, repaired. And next to them, the Tekoites repaired. But their nobles would not stoop to serve the Lord. Joda, the son of Pesiah, and Meshulam, the son of Bezodiah, repaired the gates of Yeshanana. They laid its beams and set its doors, its bolts and its bars. And next to them, repaired Melatiah, the Gibeonite, and Jadon, the Merothonite, the men of Gibeon and Mizpah, the seat of the governor of the province beyond the river. Next to them, Uzal, the son of Harhiah, the goldsmiths, repaired. Next to him, Hananiah, one of the perfumers, repaired. And next to them, and they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Next to them, Rephiah, the son of Hur, ruler of half of the district of Jerusalem, repaired. Next to them, Jediah, the son of Haramuth, repaired opposite his own house. And next to him, Hattush, the son of Hazabaniah, repaired. Melchizedek, the son of Harim, and Hazab, the son of, well, I'm not even going there, repaired another section of the Tower of the Ovens. Next to him, Shalim, the son of Halahesh, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, repaired, he and his daughters. Hanun and, his, and, and the inhabitants of Zenoa repaired the valley gate. They rebuilt it and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. 
and repaired a thousand cubits of the wall as far as the dung gate. Stop. The dung gate is where they took the animals before they were sacrificed. It is exactly what it says it is. It's where the dung was collected. Who wants to fix that part of the wall? Okay? But it says, Melchijah, the son of Rechab, ruler of half of the district, repaired the dung gate. He rebuilt it and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. Shalom, the son of Kolhaziah, ruler of the district of Mizpah, repaired the fountain gate. He rebuilt it and covered it and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And he rebuilt the wall of the pool of Shelah, the king's garden, as far as the stairs that go down from the city of David. After him, Nehemiah, the son of Azbuk, ruler of half the district, repaired to the point opposite the tombs of David, as far as the artificial pool and as far as the house of the mighty men. After him, the Levites, the singers, repaired. Rehum, the son of Bani, next to him, Hazabiah, ruler of half the district of Kelai, repaired his, for his district. After him, their brothers repaired. Next to him, Ezer, the son of Jeshua, ruler of Mizpah, repaired another section opposite the ascent to the armory. After him, Barak, the son of Zabiah, repaired another section from the buttress to the door of the house of Elishab, the high priest. After him, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, son of Hakaz, repaired another section from the door of the house. After him, the priests, the men of the surrounding areas, repaired. After them, Benjamin and Hassab repaired opposite their own house. After them, Azariah, the son of Messiah, son of Ananiah, repaired beside his own house. After him, Benai, the son Henadad, repaired another section from the house of Azariah to the buttress and to the corner. Palal, the son of Uzziah, repaired opposite the buttress of the tower, projecting from the upper house of the king at the court of the god. After him, Padiah, the son of Parosh, and the temple servants living in Aphel repaired to the point opposite the water gate on the east of the projecting tower. After him, the Tekkites repaired another section. Above the horse gate, the priests repaired, each of one opposite his own house. After them, Zadok, the son of Imo, repaired opposite his own house. After him, Shemaiah, the son of Sekaniah, the keeper of the east gate, repaired. After him, Hananiah, the son of Shelemiah, and Hanan, the sixth son of Zalaph, repaired another section. After him, Meshulam, the son of Berachiah, repaired opposite his chamber. After him, Melchijah, one of the goldsmiths, repaired as far as the house of the temple servants of the merchants, opposite the muster gate. And between the upper chamber of the corner and the sheep gate, the goldsmiths and the merchants repaired. Wow. Nobody fell asleep. And it's long and it may even feel, feel tedious. You've probably never heard anybody read it that badly or a full chapter like that before. But I want you to see that God can and will do incredible and amazing things when we work together. And when we work in line with His call and His mandate. It's not that God does everything for us. This is the maker of the heavens and the earth. It says in Genesis that He, he breathed the earth into being. He could have rebuilt a wall very easily, but he chose not to. He chose to work alongside it and within us to rebuild it. And so I had a couple of questions coming out of that. And the first one is this, is that who do I build with? I'm not building a wall. It's not, as, it's not almost as practical. It's not like I can see the bricks and I can see the gaps and I need to build. So, so Lord, who do I build with? And then secondly, my question was, why, why do I build? And then where do I start? And I think this bit of Nehemiah tells us the first part. It says, we build as a team. We build in unity. 
That passage of Scripture spoke of all trades working together. It didn't say the priests worked and no one else worked. This was too big for Nehemiah to do on his own. It wasn't just the priests or the Levites. It was the goldsmiths and the perfumers. It was the merchants. It was all classes, all society. It was all of us working together. It was men and it was women. It was sons and it was daughters. It was all working together. Nehemiah and the people applied work to their faith, and then they applied faith to their work. And then they started to see the, the wall start to be re rebuilt, brick by brick by brick. And this morning, I want to say it's all of us. It's every teacher, minister, politician, mom, dad, doctor. I don't know what you do. But unless we do our part of the wall, the wall won't get built. And our part of rebuilding the great city of God is doing that, is knowing that we have a plan to rebuild. And we're part of God's great team. And the second one is family. I love that. I counted 36 times. I don't know if anybody got a different math to me, where it said son of or daughter of. God is asking us to rebuild not only our own families, but build next to families. And not just our own physical families, but our spiritual families. Some of you don't have physical families, but God's placed you in a spiritual family. And you're building next to son of, disciple of, follower of, and then finally, family speaks to me of our sonship and our daughtership as the sons and daughters of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And yo, I'm putting in a brick with Jesus. I want to build next to him because I'm his son or his daughter. I think that's amazing. So second part is we build, we build with family. And then the last part was, where do I build? Well, it was quite simple to them. It said they built in front of their own house. They built with where they were. So yes, Nehemiah had this incredible plan. He broke them into 40 groups, and he said, cool, these 40 groups you're going to build here, 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 and here, and these are the people. But hey, hang on a second. The Kukumurus can build in front of their own house. And you know what? They're close enough to the wall, so you just start right there. So let me show you this. Danny, daughter of Mish, can you stand over here behind this broken down wall? Marcus, son of Eugene, can you two come and stand here? And let's have someone a little bit older. Gideon and Andre, can you come and stand here behind the wall? And if you look here, there's, some, there's some, some big bricks. So Nehemiah had a vision. He's, he sees a, a torn down wall and he goes, gang, we need to rebuild. This is the city of God. There's a temple in there. We need to restore it because God wants to dwell within the temple. So are you with me? Can we rebuild? And then off you go. Start rebuilding. And so they start rebuilding the wall. And you can see, can you see what's happening here? Can you see the beautiful picture that God created? That right here in front of their own home, they're building. And they're not only building their own one because the bricks don't always fall in the right places. They build with one another. They're not perfect bricks. They're not even square bricks. They're living stones. And they fit together in different ways. And we're the, we're the body of Christ. We're the building of Christ. And our bricks and our wall doesn't always look perfect, but God wants us to build it together. And he wants us to build it as a family, father teaching son, son working with father, mom and daughter standing together rebuilding a wall, father and son working together. And you know what's happening? Neighbors are getting to know each other. And you see, there's a sense of joy and of unity when we've built it together. So what I love is the picture is this, is that 
Nehemiah said, let us rebuild. And there was an immediate response to the call. And then he said, well, where are you? He said, start right there. I don't know where God has put you. He might have put you as a business owner, teacher, mom. I don't know where God's put you, but he's put you there for a reason. And that's your position to start rebuilding your wall. And then he says, get cracking. And he says, start building with that person who is next to you. And you see what happens is the wall gets built. It gets built brick by brick by brick. I should have bought more bricks, bigger ones. Let me tell you this. is the picture of the wall. The wall of Jerusalem was the following. It was 4,018 meters long. The height of the wall was 12 meters in height. And the average thickness of that wall was two and a half meters thick. The wall contained 34 watchtowers, seven main gates, and two minor gates. This was a serious task. And how did they do it? In front of their own houses, in unity, building together. That is how God does incredible things. And let me tell you the most amazing part is that a four-kilometer wall was built in 52 days. There was no caterpillar trucks in those days. There was no front loaders. There was hands and people working side by side, shoulder to shoulder, establishing God's plan. Second question I have is when I read that is that what is the eternal impact of what I'm building? I don't see a brick wall anymore, but I see, I get it, God. You're trying to ask me to rebuild the city of God, the people of God. And my walls that I'm building are inclusive walls of calling people in into the great kingdom and into the plan that you have, into the family of God. That is what we're called to rebuild. And each of us can do it where we are, with who we, next to the people God has placed with us, in a family. That's what he's called us to. But what is the consequence, God? And I want to say to you that God is in the business of creating immeasurably more holiness inside of us and that he wants as many people of the family of God with him on that great and glorious day. Nehemiah is written in the Old Testament where the temple was where God existed, okay? So they were building a wall. They were restoring Jerusalem so that they could restore the temple, i.e. give God his rightful place. Let's put God back in the temple. I want to read to you out of Ephesians 2, verses 20. It says the following. Together, we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and of the prophets, and the cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Here's the picture. We're not a temple in, we don't have to build the temple. We are the temple. We are the living stones that make up the temple of God and he wants to dwell within us. Our walls are to say, come on in, look at the temple of God. Let's exhibit him, let's show him off, let's make him known. And so the living stones that we are, we are building a spiritual temple. Paul reemphasizes it all throughout the New Testament that we are a city that is built with an eternal consequence. And this morning as you ask, why am I building? You're building for an eternal consequence. You are building so that men and women would come to know the great and glorious King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are building the temple of God. And so I want to close with this scripture from Revelation 21. It's at the, right at the end of the Bible. 
Revelation 21, verses two to five, says the following. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth have disappeared. The sea was gone. And I saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will all be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying and no more pain. All of these things will be gone forever. That is why we build. We build because we are building an eternal temple to praise and glorify our God. We build in unity, one with another. We build as sons and daughters of the Most High King because our primary point of reference is our identity as a son and as a daughter. We build with those who are alongside us, who are next to us, and we build with what is in front of us. Start with what is in front of you. And we build up not only a great wall, but a great city, a holy people set apart for God. That is the call of Nehemiah 3, is say, let us rebuild the great city of God 